John 1, 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome uh, to CCC. So glad that you are here. Thanks for being a part of our church. Welcome those of you who are worshiping at our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. Uh, listen, before we get started, I want to tell you something I'm really excited about. Uh, we are at CCC. We're putting on our first ever parent summit. Uh, this is a, a summit designed for parents from for kids from birth to 18 years old. We want to do everything we can to help you navigate uh, parenting in this day and age, which is challenging to say the least. So May 14th, mark it down, uh, we're having this parent summit. There's a general session that I'll be speaking at, and then there are five breakout sessions that you can choose from. We have 100 parents signed up already, but do not miss this if you have children from birth to 18, all right? All right, this is Palm Sunday, and I was writing in my journal this morning. This is the day where 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem amid uh, raucous shouts of praise that were completely empty. And only Jesus knew that they were empty, and only Jesus knew what was going to happen to him as he went into Jerusalem, but he went anyway. He went for you, and he went for me. Next week is Easter weekend, and that's when we get to celebrate uh, not just the greatest event for our faith, but the greatest event in human history. So I want you to do everything that you can uh, to prepare for next weekend when we gather to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? Today, we are continuing our series in the Gospel of John, we're spending 10 weeks on the first 18 verses of John. John is answering the question, who is Jesus? Which is the most important question anyone can answer. It's the most important question that you can answer. Uh, Jesus is the one who made it the most important question, by the way. Because in John chapter 14, Jesus makes a claim that no other religious leader has ever made. Not Muhammad, not Confucius, not Gandhi, not Buddha. Only Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's why it's impossible to be neutral about Jesus. Because how you answer that question, Jesus claims, is the only way you will ever see God. And it's through him. All right, now we've made it all the way to verse 16. In the first 14 verses of the Gospel of John, John tells us that Jesus was with God in the beginning, that Jesus was God, that all things were created through Jesus, and that Jesus is the light and the life that all of us long for, whether we realize it or not. And he culminates in verse 14 where he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what John says is that Jesus solves the two problems that we as human beings have with God, the, the nearness problem and the distance problem. Zach covered that last week. If 
If you missed that sermon, go back and listen to it. It's great. I mean, this is absolutely just breathtaking, amazing. And now we get to the next question. And the next question is, so what? So what? When I was a kid, and this will date me, I remember when Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, right? It was amazing. It was breathtaking. But I still had to take a math test on Friday, and I still had to deal with Billy Fallon on the playground, right? It was amazing. It was breathtaking, but it did not really impact my life or change my world. Eight weeks ago, Vladimir Putin invaded the Ukraine, and since then, in the last eight weeks, thousands of people have lost their lives. Millions of people have been displaced. Two weeks ago, Will Smith walked up on stage at the Oscars in front of millions of people and slapped Chris Rock in his face because of a joke that Chris Rock made about Will Smith's wife, Jada. This past week, you have undoubtedly experienced frustration or anger or hurt or you've just plain been sad. So what does it matter that the word became flesh and we we beheld his glory? What does it matter? All right, we're to verse 16. In verse 16, let me read it for you. It says this, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Three points, three questions. My three questions are this. What is it that we really need? What is it that we really need? Where can we find what we really need? And finally, how do we know we have it? What is it that you really need? Where can you find what you really need? And how do you know you have it? All right, first question. What is it that we really need? Not just you, not just me, but what does the world need? And as soon as I say that, I think of that commercial years ago with people like holding hands, swaying back and forth and singing, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I think we can all be thankful for our worship leaders, right? <laughs> It'd be terrible. And I think it's true. It's, it's true that we need love. But when you think of that, of love, what do you think of? You know, my wife and I were able to spend a couple of days down in Houston and with our daughter, Becca, and her husband, Sean, and their new baby, Ezekiel. When I think of love, one of the things I think of is, is how my daughter is with her newborn son, right? She is just filling him as much as she can with that love, right? And then he, in response, responds to that love by giving her faces like this (laughs) and filling her back up, right? That's the way it seems like that's when we are full of love. And my, I have a niece who just got engaged. If I had a picture of them, I could put them up, and you would just see, like, love just surrounding them. When we do, we do weddings, we had a wedding here uh, yesterday. You know, whenever I'm doing a wedding, you know, love is just, like, oozing. All, it, love is oozing so much 
that the bride and the groom don't really listen to the vows. I can tell by their eyes, right? Because the vows that you do, that you take in a wedding are not intended to be like soft and romantic. The vows in a wedding are meant to be the, like the warning label for marriage. It's what it's intended to do. Do you promise, you know, to, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till God by death shall separate you, right? And they're like, ooh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and so I'm always, I always try to drive it home by saying something to the bride like this. I'll say, do you know what that means? That means when he does something that is so epically stupid, so insensitive that no one would feel love toward him, you're going to take his face in your hands, you're going to look him in the eyes, and you're going to say, I still love you. Because when you need love the most is when you are at your very worst, and that kind of love is called grace. Grace is love that is undeserved completely. Grace is like the most powerful, most concentrated form of love the world has ever known. Love distilled is grace. I'd always think that if I could just give you a drop of grace, if I could have been at the Oscars, right, and just had this dropper, if it was full of grace, I could have saved us all. Right? I could have gone up to Will Smith, one drop of grace. Chris Rock, one drop of grace. Jada, one drop of grace. You know what would heal the deepest wounds of your soul? One drop. You know what would make you more kind, more gentle, more thankful, more loving, what would make you the very best version of yourself? Grace. I keep saying one drop because uh, when I, I have an image of my, in my mind of what happened to me when I first really came into a realization of what Jesus had done on the cross for me, right? And this is my image. About 25 years ago, I was on a mission trip with a bunch of high school kids down to the Dominican Republic. We were helping to build an orphanage, so we were working in cement and equatorial heat. So we were sweating, we had dirt, we had grime, we had cement dust all over us. We went back to the place where we were staying, and there was no electricity, so there was no running water, so there were no showers. And we just laid down you know, on our air mattresses, slept, got up the next day, did the exact same thing. Four days. No showers, no water. Just dirt and grind, building up, building up. And finally, one of the Dominicans told me about a river, and I just said to the kids, hey, we're going to the river. We went to this river, and this river had a breakwater where the water was kind of flowing over, and it was about this high. And I remember sitting under that breakwater and just letting the water cascade over me, gallon upon gallon, so hard that it almost hurt. And I stayed there until every speck of cement dust, every bit of grime, every bit of sweat was washed away. That's what happened when I really understood what Jesus had done for me, that my sin was great, but his grace was greater. Right? But then I think of when people hurt me, when I am 
when I need to forgive somebody, when I need to give a drop of grace, that's all they need. They don't need me to, to cascade on them all the forgiveness that Jesus gave me. All they need is a drop. So, what you need, what I need, what the world needs, is love in its most potent, most concentrated, most distilled form. What we need is grace. Second thing, where can we find what we really need? Where can we find what we really need? John begins his gospel, this account of Jesus, in the strangest way. I told you when I kicked off this series that if I were going to write the Gospel of John, an account of Jesus as John, I would have started it like this. I would have said, I was fishing one day with my brother James in the Sea of Galilee, and then I looked up, and there he was. And he said, simply follow me, and I dropped my net, and I began to follow him, and that began a three-year adventure that changed everything. Right? I'm not a great writer, but that's pretty good, <laughs> Right? I would read that book. That's not the way John starts it. This way John starts his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See what John does right from the beginning, what he's trying to tell us? What he's trying to tell us is this. Jesus is not normal. Jesus is not normal at all. There is no beginning and end to Jesus. You know, like, I'm finite, right? You're finite. That's why I can say stuff like, I'm at the end of my rope. Or, I'm, you know, I've run out of patience. Or you're on my last nerve, right? All those things are statements about my own finiteness. There is no end to Jesus. So when John says this, from his fullness, we've all received grace upon grace. What he's saying is that in Jesus, there's enough grace for everything, for everyone at any time. Right? That there is no end to Jesus' grace. You know why that's important? Because when I, when I go back to my idea of having a, a dropper like this of grace, if I was at the Oscars, right, who would need a drop of grace? Well, Will Smith needed one. Jada needed one. Right, Chris Rock needed one. But then it doesn't end there because Chris Rock's got seven siblings that are pretty fired up. They're going to need some grace. And then all of us who watched... I, you know, probably, you know, no one was watching live, but we all saw what happened, right? And all of us who watched had different reactions, right? My reaction was to feel like I, I could feel myself feeling smug. I liked watching it to a degree, right? There's something that happens inside of people we get filled with. When we see something like that, we get filled with kind of a a feeling about ourselves that we feel better than, that, than other people. There's judgmentalism, there's contempt. It's like watching that single thing released carcinogens of the soul throughout millions of people who all, who all now need 
a drop of grace. You know why it's important that Jesus is infinite? You know, people will ask me sometimes, why did Jesus have to be the Son of God to die on the cross for us? We're going to talk about why Jesus had to die on the cross and resurrect next week. That would be great. But the reason he had to be the Son of God, this is why. Because what the world needs, what you need, what I need, is not a little bit of grace. What the world needs is an infinite amount of grace. So what you need deep down in your soul, more than anything else, is love in its most concentrated, distilled form. What you need is grace. What the world needs is grace. Where do we find that grace in his fullness? And finally, how do you know you have it? How do you know you have it? John is a great writer. Uh, that's, uh, and so every word that he uses is important. That's why we're spending 10 weeks on just 18 verses. One of my favorite authors, a guy named Frederick Buechner, remember him saying that he has spent a whole day working on a single phrase for one of his books because he wanted to get it just right. So in this verse, when John says, in his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. He repeats grace for a reason. He doesn't just say, in his fullness, we've all received grace. He says, we've received grace upon grace. You know, I, I uh, go for early morning walks around my neighborhood. And I've told you that before. I, I walk and I, and I think and I pray. And I, I was thinking about this message, you know, earlier this week. And I was trying to, you know, and, you know, I want you to know, I, I can never tell whether the thoughts that I think when I'm on my walk come from God or just come from me, right? So I can't tell, you know, disclaimer. All right. So I'm walking, and I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on this uh, dropper of grace, and I was just going, because I like that. And I was thinking, man, just a drop. That's all Will Smith needed. That's all Chris Rock needed, just a drop, right? And then I was thinking, I started thinking about the hurts that I have and the times that I've been offended by people and how it's, it's so hard sometimes for me to forgive, to give them a single drop of grace. And so I asked God, I was going, God, why is it so hard for me to give a drop of grace when it's what somebody needs? And I felt like God said this. He said, Joe, it's because you're a potato. That's why I can never tell if it's me or God, right? <laughs> but the more, the more I thought about it, the more it made sense, because I thought, you know, if you cut open a potato, there's moisture in a potato. Now you can see it, you can see it glisten. There's moisture. But if I was to try to squeeze a drop of that moisture out of this potato, it'd feel like I was killing the potato, right? You know what? This is what I think. I think most Christians, most of us, including me, are like potatoes. We have enough grace for ourselves. I mean, Jesus has come into our lives. He's forgiven us. We've sat under that waterfall until every speck, and we're, we're convinced that we are followers of Jesus but we just have enough grace for us. 
And if somebody else needs a drop of grace, if they have offended us in some way, oh, it's so hard to squeeze a drop of grace out of a potato. I sat with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said to me, somebody had offended them, said, I'm not ready to forgive. I can't forgive them yet. And if if I knew then what I know now, I would have said, that's because you're a potato. (laughs) And then I would have had to explain it. But I want you to know it's dangerous to be a potato. And I say that because of a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 18. This is the story Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 18. There was a king, and he had a servant who owed him 10,000 talents. That's what it says. A talent is a measurement of money. A talent is 75 pounds of either silver or gold. So 10,000 talents is 750,000 pounds. Let's let's choose silver. 750,000 pounds of silver. And the king looks at the servant and says, you can never pay me back. So I'll tell you what. Grace. I will show you love you do not deserve. I forgive you. That guy goes out, finds another servant who owes him 200 denarii. Denarii, another measurement of money. Uh, A single denarii was like one day wages at minimum wage, so 200 days of minimum wage. Not a a tiny amount, but certainly not 750,000 pounds of silver. And the, the servant who owed the 200 denarii said, please, have mercy on me. What he's saying is, a drop? just a drop. And the guy who'd been forgiven 750,000 pounds of silver says, no way, not a drop. I got enough for me, but not a drop for you. And what the king says then, king hears about it, calls him in, says, wait, did I hear right? Did I hear that I forgave you 750,000 pounds of silver and you couldn't squeeze out a drop for that guy? I'll tell you what, You owe me 750,000 pounds of silver. That's the way the story ends. The reason the king did that is the king was trying to say, listen, the king never expected him to be able to forgive him of 750,000 pounds of silver and that guy stay a potato. What he expected was for him to be a sponge, right? That's what God wants. You know, and as soon as I thought that, I'm still on my walk. (laughs) And I think, oh, I'm a potato, but you want me to be a sponge. And then everything started to make sense, right? Jesus says, love your enemies. Why? How can you love your enemies? Because you're a sponge. You're not a potato, right? Jesus says, "Uh, listen, I want you to forgive people. And you say, seven times? I don't know if I've forgiven anybody seven times, right? Jesus says, no, no, 70 times 7. You want to go, what? Why? You're a sponge. You're a sponge. Right? And I tell you what. You know, I, I walk on the, I get back from that walk, and I, uh, I do what I always say. I'm, you know, the older I get, the more in, into just routine I am. I get back from my walk, get my cup of coffee, sit down on my chair, uh, turn on my lamp, open my Bible to where I finished reading the day before. And this is what I read. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I sat down in my chair and God was saying, Joe, from his fullness, I will pour out grace to you. Be a sponge. Be a sponge. I, I was walking in the airport. You know, airports, I don't know when the last time you've been in an airport is. You know, you're trying to, if you're trying to get anywhere in a hurry, people just stop. Like, they stop right in front of you, look up at the... You know, and you're going, trying to get around them. People are watching, looking at their phones. It's just like an obstacle course. The whole time I'm going there, I'm going, don't be a potato, don't be a potato, be a sponge, be a sponge, be a sponge. <laughs> Can you imagine, just for a minute, what it would be like if every one of us that are just here right now, in the sanctuary at East Hall, looking online, whatever, if next week you're a sponge, not a potato. Imagine what your family would be like. What your work would be like. What your neighborhood would be like. What would it be like for the people who know they have offended you and that you've never been quite able to forgive them? What if you were a sponge? Listen, in the first century, after the resurrection, Christians changed the world. Potatoes don't change the world. Sponges change the world. So today, I just want you to know that from his fullness, we all have received grace upon grace. Let that grace flow into you and flow out of you to everyone, at every time. Love them when they, when they deserve it the least, because that's what Jesus did for you. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we uh, come to you, and I am the first. You know, there are some messages that you give me that are primarily for me, and I feel like that was, this is one of them. But I pray for everybody. I pray for all of us that uh, those of us who have sat under that waterfall of your grace where you have, uh, our sin was great, but your grace was greater. We have felt that and experienced that. I pray that you would help us to be like sponges where it flows out. Wherever we go, we are dripping with grace, with the most powerful, most concentrated, most distilled form of love the love that people need, that our world needs. And let us, uh, as we do that, experience more and more what it means to be like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.